to Hope City Church, Melbourne, Australia. Stay tuned for another inspiring message. As a Christian, I'm always thinking about how I can get to know God more, how I can love God more, how I can experience his love more, how I can become more intimate with God. I want to understand his character more. I want to be transformed by the Holy Spirit so that the Holy Spirit can transform others through me, through what he's done in me. I want to use God's word to govern my thoughts and emotions. I want to become everything that I can become in God, the destiny that he has for me. It's all about dying to ourself. Jesus says in Luke, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Our aim really is to show the love of Christ in everything that we do and to every, everyone, regardless of how they treat us. I'm reading this one from the Passion Translation. So I'm asking you, my friends, that you be joined together in total unity with one heart one passion and united in love. Walk together with one harmonious purpose and you will fill my heart with abounded joy. This is Paul speaking. Be free from controversial or pride-filled opinions for they will only harm your cherished unity. Don't allow self-promotion to hide in your hearts but in authentic humility put others first and view others as more important than yourselves. Abandon every, every display of selfishness. Possess a greater concern for what matters to your friends instead of your own interests. And consider the example that Jesus, the anointed one, has set before us. Let his mindset become your motivation. That's big. Yeah. In 1 John it says, He do, who does not love does not know God, for God is love. And Jesus also said that people would know us by our love. By our love, people would know that we are his disciples. So when we walk in God's love, we're walking in the highest measure of spiritual warfare. That's pretty cool. When we walk in God's love, we have unity and power as a body. And when when we walk in God's love, heaven invades earth. So it makes total sense then that Satan would want to stop us walking in God's love. So what would cause us to stumble in our journey, in our walking in God's love? It's a bait that Satan uses. And John Bevere, if you've read the book, calls it the bait of Satan. And that's offence. Some of you are thinking right now, I wish my brother George was here. He, He really needs to hear this. Or, dang, I wish such and such didn't stay home this week. They really need to hear this. But I'm asking you to have a really open heart with what I'm sharing with you today because a lot of us have offences that we don't even know that we have. They're hidden offences. And so have an open heart today to ask God to show you, okay, what what am I holding on to, no matter how small it is, because even the small things can really affect us. And I just want you to know that I'm not speaking from observation and theory here. I'm speaking from experience. I have been offended so many times in my lifetime and it hasn't been nice. The, the, the outcome of it hasn't been nice and I've had to deal with a lot of uh, forgiveness and processing of it so that I could be restored back to who I am 
or to walking in God again rather than walking out, out of his love. So what exactly is offence? The Greek word for offence comes from the word scandalon, which was the name of the part of an animal trap to which the bait is attached. So it signifies laying a trap for someone. So offence is a trap. And what does it mean to, d to offend someone? So when you offend someone, you, you displease them, you make them angry, you insult them, you hurt them, you affront them. It's like, you know, it's, you don't respect me when you do that. But to take offence is the same thing. It's to be displeased, it's to get angry, it's to be insulted, it's to be hurt. And Satan will use offence to lure us into anger, resentment, bitterness, jealousy, envy. It's a real tool that he uses. It's a tool that he uses to trap us. The Passion Translation says in Philippians, I continue to pray for your love to grow and increase more and more until it overflows, bringing you into rich revelation of all things. And with this revelation, you will come to know God fully as he imparts to you the deepest spiritual understanding of his ways. This will enable you to choose the most excellent way of all, becoming pure and without offence until the unveiling of Christ. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light and in it or in him there is no occasion for stumbling, which is like offence, or cause for error or sin. So there are times when people knowingly or unknowingly are going to hurt us with their words or actions. And whether the offence was purposeful or not, we have the opportunity to get offended and to hop on that slippery slope that leads to hatred and bitterness. Every time the bait of offence comes our way, because it is a bait, you get hurt first. And then what are you going to do with that hurt? You don't have to get offended. It's easy to, but you get hurt first. So then you've got a choice to make. Am I going to allow this to develop into an offence or am I going to choose to forgive, to process it with God because that's what you need to do because it's fair enough that we get hurt. That's normal to get hurt, especially if it's purposeful. Someone purposely hurts you. But it's what we do with it. Do we let it develop into offence? And can I just qualify something here before I go on that I know there are people sitting here that you've suffered really painful, um, really terrible injustices. And I don't want to make light of it that what I'm talking about is just so easy to do. Oh, well, you just forgive and you'll be fine. Like um, Bethwin was talking about last week. That requires a whole other level of healing as well. So I'm not making light of that. But this, this, the process is the same. We still have to forgive. Forgiveness is the only way to freedom. And I heard a really good quote. Forgiveness is letting your desire for justice go because you trust the God of justice to make things right in his way and in, in his time. So, if we get offended and continue to indulge in offence, then instead of growing the fruit of the Spirit, can I have that PowerPoint up, please? Instead of growing the fruit of the Spirit, we're going to be growing the fruit of offence. So the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I was looking at that and I was thinking, okay, if that's the fruit of the Spirit, what would the fruit of the fence be?
feared. It's the total opposite. So the fruit of offence would be hatred and bitterness, discouragement and misery, uh, worry and anxiety, which matches with peace. We're just one down. So patience, the opposite would be agitation and restlessness, kindness, the opposite would be meanness, goodness, the opposite would be evil and dishonour, faithfulness, the opposite would be being untrustworthy, gentleness, it would be, be being disagreeable and self-control, impolite and harsh, self-indulgent, self-centeredness. And I looked at that and I thought, wow, when we get offended, we don't actually start, I hate you straight away. We don't actually start with bitterness. Bitterness is something that grows. So I was looked at it and I thought, you know, actually, when we have the fruit of offence, we actually start at the bottom. We start with self-centeredness. Because when someone offends us, it's all about us. So we actually start with self-centeredness. And then it goes to being disagreeable and impolite. Well, I'm not liking what they're saying and I'm going to go and talk to someone about it and da-da-da-da. Um, and then it goes to you don't become a trustworthy person anymore or faithful because you're talking about your stuff with other people, you're spreading things about other people. And then you begin to dishonour them. And as the list goes up, you can see you become mean, you become agitated, you're not at peace in your life, you become very discouraged, there's no joy. And as the roots go deeper, it turns into bitterness and hatred. So offence is really a serious thing. And we often indulge in it without really thinking of the consequences of it. And most of us, if we really think about it, we probably do it very easily every day. I can think of myself in the supermarket when I'm waiting in the express lane and I've been waiting five minutes and there's three people in front of me. Finally, when it gets to me, the checkout girl turns around and serves the person at the smoke counter who just rocked up. And I think, I've been waiting here for five minutes. And, and one time I told the cashier that. I said, I've been waiting here for five minutes. And that person just rocked up and you served them. And she sort of said, oh, yeah, I understand your point. She was trying to be very gracious. So if I walked out then and saw him, passed him in the, in the um, aisle somewhere, I'm not going to go feel nice towards him. I'm going, oh, you're the one that annoyed me. You're the one that got served before me. So we sort of carry a little offence. It's the same if you come into church and you say hello to someone and they sort of walk past you, they've got their head in another zone and they don't even see you or they just go, oh, hi, but they're, they're busy. And you go, oh, nice. You know, you think, <laughs> I mean, I don't do that. <laughs> but they're the little baits that can be used. And then Satan comes in, oh, that person ignored you. They ignored you. They might not really like you. And if they do it again the following week, it just starts to make it sound worse and your offence grows bigger and it actually compounds into a bigger offence until offence actually becomes a way of life for you. It's normal to, to feel offended, to think offended. You don't even recognise it anymore. And sometimes offences are there and we don't even know it. A couple of weeks ago, John bought a metal detector and we were at a family farm and we were just in a, on a hill somewhere, nothing around, a bit of quartz showing, oh, let's go and see if where there's any gold in them there hills. So we were using the metal detector and... Nothing, 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 nothing. Just kept going. Then all of a sudden, thought, oh, wow, something's there. And so we started getting, we got the pick and we started digging it out and 
filtering through all the soil because it takes quite a while. We found it. In the end, we found it. It was a tiny cap of an old bullet. Oh, wow. <laughs> but you know, it made me think that sometimes our offences are hidden like that and it just takes a little trigger to make that offence go really loud. Like, you might have been in a home growing up where you weren't allowed to have an opinion and so you didn't feel valued, you felt offended and hurt. You didn't really recognise that that's what you were feeling. But then as you grow up and you get older, that hurt or that offence is still there. And then you have a conversation with someone and they're, they don't agree with your opinion. All of a sudden it triggers the pain from your past. Well, they don't agree with me or they're talking over the top of me, they're shutting me down, I don't feel valued. Um, and then so you become more argumentative to try and get your opinion across. So you're actually acting out of offence and you don't even know it. So this is what I was talking about before in really asking God to show us what are the things in our lives that we're still holding on to that are causing us offence. When we're in, uh, offended, we become introspective and self-centred. It's about us and our rights and the injustice that's been done to us and the debt that people owe us because they've offended us. And we put up a wall of protection around ourselves so that we don't get hurt. And then we no longer give unconditional love to people because if we give under unconditional love, we could get hurt. So we don't do that anymore. And the thing is, when we put up these walls of protection, we're also putting up a wall between ourselves and God. So if you can imagine this wall, sometimes at home, we say to each other, if we know that someone's a little bit offended, we go, hmm, I can see you're building a fence. And then we sort of go, is it a picket fence? Has it got nice flowers around it and smells, looks pretty and smells pretty? Is it a bluestone fence where no one can get through? Is it a post and rail fence? You can sort of sneak through every now and then, go outside of your fence, but then you get through the post and rail fence and hop back inside your fence. Or sometimes I say jokingly to people in my family, is it the Great Wall of China? It's going to take a backpack and three days of food to get around it. It says in the Bible, it's easier to conquer a strong city than to win back a friend that you've offended. Their walls go up, making it nearly impossible to win them back. Satan wants you offended. He's going to use that bait every day to try and get you offended. He can deceive you better when you're offended and we can't truly love with offence in our hearts. And I think in a church situation too with, our, with a, a church family, Satan wants to get you outside the family because it's when you're outside the family offended, that's when he really attacks and you've got no one around you to keep you accountable, to protect you. And it's amazing the conversations that go on in your head when that sort of thing happens. And in the end, you're so offended you don't even come back to church. It's a, not just with church, with families. How many families do we know where there's a split in the family and there's a fence and no one talks to each other anymore? Many years ago, John and I formed a close relationship with a really lovely girl, and I'll call her Anne, just to protect her name. And we had small children, and she had small children. We had a lot of things in common. But what really drew me to her was her relationship with God. I knew that there was more to be had in my relationship with God 
than what the church I was going to was teaching me. So I was really attracted to her. And she really brought us into the things of the Spirit. She, she talked to us about the Holy Spirit. We became filled with the Spirit. She even baptised us. And so we'd formed this really close relationship. We ex- experienced revival in the life group that we attended, that we all had together. Miracles happened. It was just an amazing time. And we were a great support to her, and she was a great support to us. And then some st- tough stuff happened, and she ended up going through a divorce. And so we supported her in the divorce. And divorce is always hard because you don't know who to support. Sometimes there's a choice of loyalties, and I'm not saying that's right, but sometimes that that happens to you. And I don't know that we did the right thing or not looking back now, but we supported her. And then things went on. We even ended up being on staff together at the same church, and it was really good. Then one day we were away with other friends, and another friend of ours had a really traumatic accident happen. And it was terrible for all of us. We all went through a really difficult time because of that. But that was a catalyst that changed everything. Anne started acting in ways that I couldn't understand. She withdrew, things happened, and I got really upset. And she ended the friendship. I felt extremely hurt and betrayed extremely hurt and betrayed, as you can imagine. I was gutted, even embarrassed, because everyone knew what was going on. And the problem was, is that I had put Anne on a spiritual pedestal because I admired her, I admired what God was doing through her, and I listened to her. So when she ended the friendship, and as I call it, because that's what it felt, dumped me. It's probably a harsh term, but that's how it felt. I felt that God had dumped me because I had her on that pedestal that only God should be. It was a terrible time. It was terribly painful. Every time I saw her at church, because we were still on staff, she would, from my perspective, this is my perspective, I felt like she ignored me. And so it was, it was awful being in that environment A lot of discussion went on with other people and with leadership, but nothing was resolved. The point of my story in this painful situation is that I had a choice to make. It's okay that I got hurt because she ended the friendship. For whatever reason, that's fine. She she needed to end it. I got really hurt, and then I had a choice to make. Am I going to walk in love and understand that possibly there's reasons that I don't understand and that... um, God was doing for his purposes and that I just needed to forgive her for, for my hurt and move, move on. But I didn't choose God's way. I chose to get really offended. And so I took that bait of offence. I felt like I was a victim. I felt like I'd been mistreated. I felt like I'd been misjudged. And I felt justified in my feelings. So Satan had a field day with me. She shouldn't have done that. Look at all the time you spent with her. Look at all the way you helped her financially. Look at all the way you helped her when she was going through that divorce. That's terrible what she did to you. That's really terrible. 
And then I would talk to other people. And when you're walking in a fence, it comes out of your pores. Like, you, it, it drips. And so, it's really sad. Because then you want other people to justify your feelings as well. You want other people to validate your feelings. You want them to say, yeah, that's terrible. That's shocking. That She should never have done that to you. You want friends around you who are going to say, you know what, I understand your hurt and I understand your pain, but you need to let go of the offence. You need to forgive and let God deal with that situation. See, trials in our life will bring to the surface and expose what's really in our heart, which is a really good thing, but not when it's happening at the time. The offence I took and the time I took to get over it exposed my lack of trusting God, it exposed my rejection, it exposed my abandonment, it exposed my unworthiness, it exp my feelings of unworthiness, it exposed my fear. It exposed the negative filters through which I viewed life, which is basically an orphan spirit. Someone who didn't know their identity in God. I didn't like seeing these things. In fact, it was really horrible. But God used this whole situation to show me what was already in my heart and what was causing me to have offence and then start to be impolite, disagreeable, um, untrustworthy, dishonouring. See, in our brains, filed away, are millions and millions of decisions with feelings and emotions attached to them. And they're all in the filing cabinets of our brain. Years of positive and negative experiences. And these are the filters through which we now view life. Do you remember when I was talking, uh, last time I preached, I was talking about renewing the mind and how we can develop toxic thoughts and healthy thoughts in our brain and how we can bring a thought or memory to the front of our brain and we can start to speak God's truth over it and fire apart the memory until it dissolves and it's no longer there. And then we can build healthy memories or healthy thoughts in its place. So... What I'm trying to say to you is that I was looking at that hurt and painful experience through filters, um, through filters of fear, abandonment, not being worthy, not being valued by God. So, you know, a lot of offence, like the one I just talked about, or small ones, do just come from insecurity and from our lack of identity of our true knowledge in God a lack of understanding of his love for us and a lack of understanding of his great love for others, a, a lack of understanding of true forgiveness and what Jesus did for us at the cross. So renewing our minds changes the filters through which we view life. It changes us from being victorious, from victims to victorious ones, from orphans to safe sons, from people that are easily offended, to safe people, secure in the knowledge of God's love, not easily shaken by the opinions of others and not easily offended. But unhooking from offence can take a long time, especially if, like me, 
you took the bait, hook, line and sinker. It can take a long time if you've got a hook in your mouth to try and unhook that. And do you know what it's like? Those hooks have got barbs that go the opposite way. So it's going to be painful. Anytime you're offended, the process of getting that hook out is going to be painful. So my suggestion is don't get offended in the first place. It was during this time also that I um, read the book by John Bevere, The Bait of Satan. And that changed me so much. I was so convicted about not only my offence towards Anne, but also my offence towards other people in my past. It brought up things in me that they go, oh, yeah, I felt like that. Oh, yeah, I've done that. Oh, I still feel like that about that person. So it was, it was a really great time of freedom for me reading that book of working through stuff and then walking into freedom out of it. But can I tell you a really good... Well, firstly, I'll tell you what happened with the offence that I had with Anne. Uh, God quickly put me in a, a group of really strong women. They saw what had happened and not that they were taking my side, not at all, because they were actually friends with Anne. But they had a group going and they took me into their group, which was so wonderful. This is like mm, 10 years ago, 11 years ago. And I still meet with them today, these women. And um, they mirrored God's love and his truth to me and they empathised with me and empathised with my hurt because it's okay to be hurt. That's going to happen. But it's what you do with the feelings later on. And so they were able to keep me accountable on my road to forgiveness and they were able to show me where you're still holding an offence there. Yeah, I know you feel that way but you've got to look at the way that God sees it. So they kept me on track so God was really faithful in that way, that even though I'd gone through this horrible, horrible time and, and didn't even feel very loved by God, which was a lie that I was believing from the enemy, he was faithful and he took me on a journey. And when I look back, I see that the trials that he took me through is actually what brought me to the next level of freedom, which has actually lifted me to a new place, which made my life so much better. So what the enemy meant for evil, God turned around and used for good. He grows and matures us in the most difficult times. If your life is super easy all the time, you're not going to grow as much as you can through the difficult times. It's the difficult times that really grow us. And he can bring great victory to us if we let him. If we let him mould us and shape us and grow us, he'll bring great victory in those times. But I'd, we'd read the uh, book John Bevere and... Anne's husband, who she divorced, we'll call him Bob. I don't think I mentioned his name before, but that's not his real name. I'm hiding it for purposes of this meeting. Um, we hadn't spoken to Bob for six or seven years uh, since the divorce. And I was reading that book by John Bevere. And that night I said to John, you know, I really feel convicted that we need to uh, reconcile with Bob. And John goes, yeah, cool, I feel fine about that. And um, so we didn't know how we were going to do it, but we thought, okay, you know, that was the plan. You know, that was a Wednesday night. Thursday morning, I walk into the kitchen. I could cry when I think about it because I think about how faithful God is. I walked into the kitchen and John's looking at his phone like this. He's going to start crying. <laughs> well, isn't that funny? Anyway. It just shows how, how much God loves reconciliation and that he wants us to work towards reconciliation. I look, John looked at the phone, standing there, he's going, 
you'll never believe who just messaged me. I said, who? Bob. It wasn't Bob, but Bob. <laughs> Are you kidding? No. He just messaged me and he said, really been thinking about you guys. Love to reconcile with you. <laughs> it was so like we were just, we, we just talked about it. And then that morning he messaged us. And so John had to go to work, but I rang Bob and invited him over that night and he came round. And it was just so wonderful. It was like the friendship had never ended. We didn't even talk about what had gone on. We'd said horrible things about him. He'd said horrible things about us. Not nice things happened. And you know what? We didn't even talk about that. We just said, you know, we're really sorry for everything that happened. He said, I'm really sorry for everything that happened. And then we just caught up of what happened, you know, to him and his life and what we'd been doing the last seven years. And he's been to our kids' weddings after that and we're friends, so it's really lovely. Yeah. Yay! And I will say also that um, after going through all that, I did send... I had no contact with Anne anymore and our paths had gone separate ways. And I did send her a card to say, I really appreciated the season of life that we had together and I'm really sorry for everything that I did to cause our friendship to end. And if ever you'd be up for coffee one day and have a chat, I'd love to speak with you. She, she was lovely. She sent a card back uh, the following week, which was nice. And she thanked me for my card and said, at this point in time, I'm not ready to do coffee. And that's okay. It really is. I'm totally fine with that. I feel like I have, hold nothing against her. I have total forgiveness towards her. And I trust that she has towards me too. And it doesn't matter if your paths never cross again. As long as you, you're walking in peace yourself, that you're not feeling any of those feelings when you think about that person. So that was a difficult time in my life. And you know what? Other difficult stuff has happened since then. But I've learnt where to go with it straight away. And it doesn't mean you don't get offended. Sometimes I still do get offended. But then I just have to recognise it or let someone else show me my offence and then make sure it doesn't go up that list to anything too bad that I can get rid of it really quickly. And you know, it's not a condemnation thing either. If you're sitting here and you're feeling like, actually, I do have an offence towards somebody, there's no condemnation. It's everything that we've ever done or will do has already been forgiven at the cross. But it's just means freedom for you if you can let God deal with that offence in your life. It's like those birds being free from that cage. Offence or the spade of Satan is like being in that cage. And walking out of offence into forgiveness and loving other people the way that God's called us to love them, no matter how they've treated us, brings us into great freedom. And can I just talk about bitterness very quickly? Because when we don't walk in... When we do walk in a fence and we just go round and round the mountain, we can't step into the high levels that God has for us. We just walk round and round the mountain. We build a rut that goes deeper and deeper and deeper and makes it harder to get out of. And in Hebrews it says, In every relationship, be swift to choose peace over competition and run swiftly towards holiness. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Watch over each other to make sure no one lives with a root of bitterness sprouting within them, which will only cause trouble and poison the hearts of many. So sometimes our, well not sometimes, a lot of the time, our bitterness poisons other people as well. So the seeds of offence grow into roots of bitterness. 
And I think that insecurity and not understanding your identity in God is the soil that the seed of offence grows in and the offence puts down roots of bitterness and it's really hard to pull up a plant that's got really deep roots and strong roots in it. It's sad to say, but the people who get offended, and I'm speaking about myself here so I can say this, you're selfish if you get offended. It sounds harsh, but you are. You're insecure if you get offended. You're, you're a people pleaser if you get offended. You're opinionated if you get offended. And you're someone who doesn't know their true identity in God if you allow yourself to get offended. So how do we recognise offence in our life and how do we stop ourselves taking the bait of offence rather than choosing God's way of love, grace and forgiveness? So firstly, we need to make sure that there's no cracks in our foundation, that what we're believing about ourselves in God, who God is and who we are in God, is true. And so we need to be checking that all the time, that we know that our foundations are strong. Psalm 139, God, I invite your searching gaze into my heart. Examine me through and through. Find out everything that may be hidden in me. Put me to the test and sift through all my anxious cares. See if there is any path of pain that I'm walking on and lead me back to your glorious everlasting ways, the path that brings me back to you. So we need to make sure that that's where we're getting our value from, from God, that we're allowing him to show us where our pain is and we bring it back to him and we get our value and our affirmation and our worth from God. We need to be committed to truth and honesty and devoted to love and forgiveness. Often people who are offended are believing things that aren't even true. They've heard the information inaccurately. It's come from a second-hand source. Um, What they're believing or they're offended at is actually not even truth. So if we hear that someone has said something terrible about us, well, go to the source. Go to... Find out if that's really true. And if it is really true, before you go to these people, already purpose in your heart that you've forgiven them. They might have said that about me. I'm, God, I'm choosing to forgive them. Now I'm going to go find out if they did. And if they did, I've already forgiven them. So the hard work's been done. And if they didn't, and then you've, you've lost nothing either. You go, oh, what was I even thinking about? Also, if someone's hurt you, it says in Matthew, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. We cause so much trouble when we share our offence with a lot of other people. There might be a trusted person that you just need to reflect with, but someone you trust and you know who's not going to take your offence, but who's going to keep you accountable. So... You need to talk to, you may need to talk to someone first. You might be a little bit frightened to go to the person who's sinned against you and you might need to get courage and have that person pray with you and things like that. But it says go alone, which tells me that you don't go and talk about it with, you know, five other people and and spread the offence. If it doesn't work and if there's a problem still and if that person is, you know, um, not wanting to hear you, then it says to take other people with you, like two or three, one or two other people with you. And then if it's a greater problem, you go to the church, which I assume is the leadership in the church. That's when it gets really bad. 
So we need to obey God's word and voice and choose to take the path of forgiveness as God's already given us. That's the next thing we need to do. We need to choose to obey. Some of us don't want to obey the word of God. Some of us get offended at the word of God because God's asking us to do something that we just don't want to do. You're kidding? You want me to forgive that? Oh, I don't think so. And we have that attitude, but we don't even... We, we think that and then we put it behind us and go on and we think that everything's okay, but we're holding on, on to this offence. So we need to obey what God says in his word. It's simple. We tell our kids that, obey the Bible, you know. Somehow we think that when we get older that we don't, yeah, do. But I've got my own opinion too, which is, you know, I can sort of work it out that way. We have to obey what the word of God says. We need to allow trusted people to speak into our lives and keep us accountable. Like I was talking before with a group of friends that God put me with, which helped me to get to freedom. And you need to be able to hear some constructive feedback. Because sometimes feedback can be hard because we've all got blind spots and we can um, get hurt easily or, or affect someone negatively. And so when someone care fronts us about that, we can get like, well, I didn't do well. But we need to be, okay, this person who's talking to me, I trust them. I know they've got my best interests at heart. I need to listen to what they're saying. So we need to be teachable and have a cooperative attitude. Not an attitude like behind a blue stone wall. Oh, yeah, what are you, what are you saying? Oh, hmm. We need to go, okay, well, be open to hear what other people have to say. And we, another thing that I think is really important is that we don't promote ourselves and our own agenda. I think it's God's timing in everything. And God takes us through trials so that he tests us to see if we've got the character to sustain the next level that he wants to take us to. So I think it's really important that we allow, when, when we do go through trials, allow people to speak into our lives so that um, we can grow in character. Sometimes we want to step into the next things of God, but we're not ready and we think we are. And God might put us through a test or a trial just to purge us and grow, grow us in character. So it's in God's timing. And when we trust God anyway, we don't have to be agitated and antsy. Why, things, why aren't things happening? God, it's in your time. And I think too when, um, I just want to talk quickly about offending other people. Sometimes I think that we can say things to people and find out later on that that person was offended by you and you go, really? Well, that's not how I meant it. Well, they were. Huff. Well, that's their problem then. If they're offended, that's their problem. Yeah, it is their problem if they took the bait. But what it says in Matthew if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go, and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother. So if you know that someone's been offended by you, you should go up to them and say, look, I think I said this and this. I didn't mean it. I'm sorry if you took it that way. That's not what I meant. And apologise. It's sometimes our pride that doesn't want us to apologise. But sometimes we need to help other people in their weakness. So I know you're offended and I don't want you to be offended. So I'm going to apologise to you, even though I didn't mean what I said. I'm going to apologise to you to help you in your offence. Because my love is going to soften your heart. And then when your heart is softened, you're able to see the stuff in you that you need to change. You might see your weaknesses, that you are easily offended. And that will help you grow and change. 
So we need to have an attitude of pursuing peace. Standing up for our rights won't bring true peace and getting defensive won't bring reconciliation. So we listen to their view, we respect what they say and we might even say, look, I'm not sure that that's how I felt what you're saying but I'll go away and pray about it and look at my motivations and my intentions. It says in Ephesians, we're to bear with one another in love, enduring, endeavouring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. It's really important that we do help to cover each other's weaknesses and not expose them, but see them and then help each other grow and strengthen in our weaknesses. It says in Romans, if, at all, if, if it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. I don't know if you've had people say this, but I've had people who have had splits in their families or with friendships, and they say, I'll reconcile when God tells me to. <laughs> live peaceably with all men. Be kind to one another, forgiving with one another. I think the whole message of the Bible is reconciliation yeah. and that we really do need to, even though, even if you're not going to reconcile to the point where you're your best buddies again or, you know, um, even families sometimes find it hard to do life together. But as long as you come to a place where there is reconciliation, where you can go in peace and I can go in peace, that there's peace there, that there's not offence when you think about that person, oh, yeah. But there's, there's peace there. You think, no, that's okay. All is good. Some of us are offended at God. We get offended at God. I remember Andrew did a message here when we first started coming to this church and we'd gone through some stuff in the last years. And while Andrew is speaking the message, he's going, and some of you are sitting here and you're offended at God because things didn't turn out the way that you think that they should have, that you're expecting this to happen, dit, 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 but it didn't work that way. And now you're offended at God. And I remember looking at John and going, oh my goodness. <laughs> like I felt so convicted. My heart was pounding. I was really, really nervous. And Andrew said, I wonder if you'd be brave enough to stand up if that's you. And... It takes a lot of guts to do something like that. I'm sort of going, I hope other people stand up as well. <laughs> it's not just me. And, um, but I stood up and other people did stand up. And the thing that I really appreciate about Andrew, that he must have really been listening to God because he stepped over every seat to get to every person and pray for them. And I thought that was really wonderful. And that changed my life. That day changed my life as well. Before I close, I want to quickly dwell on this, so I hope you don't mind me just going a little bit longer because I think this is a really important point and this is taking on other people's offences. You take on the offence of someone else. It didn't happen to you, but you took it on. It says in Psalms, Who presumes the privilege of being close to God, living next to you in your shining place of glory? Who are those who daily dwell in the life of the Holy Spirit? They are passionate and wholehearted, always sincere, always speaking the truth. They are trustworthy. They refuse to slander or offend others by tripping over their tongue. They'll never listen to gossip or rumours, nor would they ever harm someone else with their words. As Christians sometimes, we can also feel like we need to help other people carry their burdens. We need to help other people so 
what we tend to do is we listen to other people's offences. And when we listen to their offences, we, we give ourselves the opportunity of taking on that offence. When we console them in our, what we think is the right thing to do when we console them, sometimes we can then feel like we need to be, uh, have the same feelings towards that person to be loyal to them. So they tell you that such and such, you might get a phone call. Hi, Jules. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, Hannah. Yeah, I just saw her yesterday down the street, yeah. Oh, really? I can't believe that. Can you believe that? I can't believe that. That's terrible. I'm so, oh, that, you must be so hurt. Oh, look, oh, now I wish if I'd seen her yesterday, I wasn't even nice to her. I was so nice to her. Oh, yeah, look, I can do coffee this afternoon and we'll chat then. Yeah, oh, you poor thing. Okay, bye. I mean, <laughs> come on. In, the, in your last, how many, how old you are, you must have had a conversation like that somewhere where you go, I can't believe it. Really? That's terrible. And so we take on the other person's offence and we really need to be careful. Imagine if that group of friends with Anne took on my offence as well. I would never have got the freedom that I needed. I would never have been, been able to do the processing. Oh, possibly I would have, but it would have taken a lot longer because they would have compounded my offence. Yeah, I agree with you. That's really, really bad. So, and the thing too with offence is that you might be offended... Say I might be offended at Karen. Sorry, Karen, I'm not offended at you at all. And, um, and then I, I, um, I tell Gail all about it. And Gail goes, oh, that's not very nice of Karen, is it? Ooh. And then a few months go by and, and Gail says to me, oh, I'm still thinking about that time that, you know, what, what Karen said to you. And I say, oh, no, Karen and I, we reconciled two months ago. Oh, did you? Oh, so Gail's been carrying the offence that I've already gotten over. So this is why it's really important that you don't take on someone else's offence. They might reconcile and you might keep going with it. Anyway. So let me just finish by just reminding you really, really quickly of the lives of Joseph and David. So many things happened to them. There were so many opportunities for them to get offended. Lots of bad things happened. But because they obeyed God and stayed free of offence, all these terrible events actually became the pathway to David becoming king and Joseph becoming second in charge to Pharaoh. Because they obeyed God and refused to get offended or if offence attached to them, they refused to let it go any further than, say, being offended to start with, maybe getting a little bit grumpy about it, but then they turned to God straight away and didn't let it turn into bitterness. And when we resist the temptation to be offended, God brings great victory. And Jesus never got offended. No matter what people did to him or said about, said about him, it didn't bother him because he knew where he, who he was, he knew who God was, and he knew where he was going.